We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode of Wayfinding Growth is brought to you by Sprocket Talk. If you're ready to take your HubSpot experience to a whole new level, you need to join Sprocket Talk as a free VIP member. That's right, free. Tutorials, courses, training, HubSpot updates, and so much more. Head to sprockettalk.com slash WG to join the movement and get an exclusive Wayfinding Growth deal. All right, Wayfinders, here we are. Wayfinding Growth, welcome to the show, Season 2, Episode 27. We are wrapping up this season with something that I've had on my mind for quite a while since Remington first just in passing reference this whole thing of growing up on a boat and knowing you and how just like unique your perspective is on some stuff. Like did it all come from just being a pirate? So that's what we're talking about today. What what growing up on a boat Mm -hmm. taught you about business. So first let's start with you grew up on a boat. I did. I did. So um, my dad and my mom, she probably gets most of the credit. She was the admiral. Um, my dad was the captain, but, um, is that how it works in most marriages? At least happy ones. Like, (laughs) like this could really sink you. (laughs) That's fair. So, um, so from the age of, I think it was four, no, seven to 14, seven to 14. My, my brother's four from the age of seven to 14. Um, I grew up on a sailboat, a 30 foot sailboat in the Caribbean. Um, we traveled from Bermuda, which is where we li- were living at the time, all the way down to Trinidad in the uh, Antilles and touched Venezuela. I was the only one that jumped off the boat to walk the dog. <laughs> and we did that dodging hurricanes um, e- each season for seven years. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, yeah. I'm, I'm making mental notes. You had a dog? <laughs> yeah, we had a dog. Yep. Her name was Sandy. And uh, whenever she needed to go for a walk, we threw her overboard and she would swim. And go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Man. So, but um, but it was a it was a pretty unique experience. It was funny because my, you know, I was I was young at the time. I was seven. My brother was four, and my sister was one and a half. So you got kids at home now. Carter's just yeah. turned three not too long ago, right, right. And, and a baby. Yeah. Can you imagine having them on a boat? Oh, they'd be chained to the center of the boat. Like, <laughs> right? I mean, we pretty much were, but in That's a good fair. way, uh, not in a slave way. Um, <laughs> but, um, so, you know, everyone has multiple, multiple point harness that is attached to something when the boat's underway. And okay. we traveled, um, I think there's, I think it was like 21 islands total that we went through. Um, and it was really all we knew. Like, um, like this sounds a little pretentious, but like the water, we, we grew up in Bermuda for the most part of our lives before that. And then we traveled to Caribbean. So like it was normal to be able to see 40, 50 feet deep in water. Mm. Um, you know, and then we, when we didn't like our neighbors, we moved, uh, we just, awesome. picked, we just pulled up anchor and, and went, but I was the oldest and, uh, you know, my mom had to take care of the younger ones. And so basically I'm the one that helped my dad, uh, navigate everywhere. I was first mate. Mm. And so he taught me how to navigate. He taught me how to do math by map. Um, you know, latitude and longitude is just numbers and it's essentially, you know, everything we had to figure out was figured out backwards. So, so I take that a lot into business now. Um, but you know, it taught a lot of lessons. One, having to have people count on you at an early age. Mm -hmm. Um, like I was seven and I was navigating a boat for, for shifts so that my dad could go to sleep. Oh yeah. Like on your own. Yeah. Not just, yeah, I'm going to show you son. We're going to hold hands and do this. Like this is how you You had to take over. You got to make the compass point here make sure this goes and Hmm. holler if you hear anything. 
as a seven, eight, nine year old. Yeah. That's amazing. Like yeah. that's. Yeah. Of course, he trusted me more at the end when I was close to fourteen. But like, sure, sure. But he he had to sleep when we were doing um, when we were doing crossings. Yeah, yeah. So what else do you think? Like, I mean, I just feel like that's such a unique. You said it a minute ago. It's a unique yeah. experience. Yeah. But what a different perspective. Like we often are so much victims of where we grew up and how we, th- you know, I went to business school and I did this and I did that and blah, blah, blah. And my mentor yeah. taught me this. Like you've got such a unique perspective and you've brought yeah. that to business. Tried. Yeah. You tried to. But also, but also like a creativity too. Uh-huh. I mean, like working alongside you so often, your mind just works differently. Right. You'll, you'll drop something in my lap and I'm like – Wait a minute. Time, time out. <laughs> Do you think that's a big part of that as well? Do you just so, um, and this is not me riffing necessarily on uh, the structured school system, but there's a lot to like real life learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that have never traveled outside the United States. Yeah, there's a lot of cultures in different cities, much less different countries. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the opportunity, you know, living on the boat where, and I was an entrepreneur from like the very beginning, which we can we can dig into that in a bit. But um, I got to see a culture, like, for instance, um, Guadeloupe is a French island. And uh, there's an island called Ile de Saints. I love Ile de Saints because of the French bread and the smell when you're in the harbor when they're baking bread in the morning. Mm. Right. So just like that cultural reference of like what real authentic French bread is. I've never been to France, but I've pretty much like we paid with francs. We did all that stuff. And I was, you know, I was like eight or nine at the time. Um, And then a one day boat trip. You know, to the next island, you're in, it was Dominica, and Dominica is, you know, English speaking, um, and the tour guides and stuff didn't have shoes. Like, we gave him shoes, and he gave us a tour of the entire island. And so, like, when you think about, like, the different cultures, like, the U.S. is lucky because we've got all these different states and, like, you know, northeast, southeast, whatever. Um, you go to Key West, it's a different, it's like a different country. Yeah. But then, you know, in the Caribbean, it's very much that way as well. It's just they're not unified under one way of thinking. Hmm. Um, so gave a unique perspective. And um, so I always, I always thought outside, but one of the most glaringly obvious um, ways that I realized that, like, I don't think the way other people do is when I came back to um, the U.S. in 97, Eighth grade was my first year of public school, mm. which is rough for anyone that's yeah. been through eighth grade. Um, yeah, middle school of itself is right. hard. Yeah. And then coming from a – yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. Like have you seen the movie Bubble Boy? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Real life. <laughs> um, but like I, I went into eighth grade not knowing what a Ford truck was. I never really heard about baseball. Everything was cricket. Yeah. And so um, so like I remember it's my second class in eighth grade was um, PE and I went into the ball, the ballroom because they said, go get a Go get a football. And I'm the only one that came out of the dark ballroom with a soccer ball. Right. <laughs> that's, that's a football. And so it's just like a cultural. It's just you don't realize the cultural inferences and stuff that um, that people have. So because like your mom's British. Right. Yeah. yeah mom's British. Dad's Canadian. Um, so, so even that in and of itself is another layer. Of right. That. OK. Fair. Yeah. 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 So like I I eat with my fork upside down to most Americans. Okay. Yeah. I call my mom mum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey. She corrects me if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. Yeah. No, it's mum. All right. Mum. Yep. So so that mm. was a lot, you know, just being being open to those different um, those different experiences allowed for perspective, and I think 
a lot of times when you make decisions, you have to you have to take perspectives in, into account mm-hmm. or account for those perspectives. Which is cool as on, on the employee side. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to me then to to hear that and to know that that's how you think. But then also knowing that our clients get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is never this podcast has never been about like work with impulse because we're amazing. But in, but in reality, like sure. that's a perspective that you get when you work with us as an agency. Right. That you're not just well, I'm going to follow what everybody else is doing. I mean, best practices are in place for certain. Like, okay, it's it's fine for certain things. But in reality, I mean, we're coming at it because the whole team is built around your perspective as uh, you're one sixteenth sure. of the team. But I'll but put you, the rails down. But yeah, yeah. But you built this team with that different perspective, and so that's what you get when you work with Impulse, which I think right. is really cool. Yeah, like it's such a different agency because of that. Um, you want you said uh, something earlier about unpacking um, entrepreneur from the mm. beginning. Why do you think that is? Um, so when you're on a boat, you can fish, mm-hmm. or you can swim, or you can fish, or you can swim. <laughs> like there's not much, right? So as a family of five with a dog, and the dog counts on thirty feet. Um, yeah. On on a thirty foot sailboat, and so. So, yeah. so, so you say a thirty foot sailboat. Yep. Like I kind of have a picture of that, but yeah. how big is that really? So a minivan is tip, like a minivan is about it's depending on the minivan, and you're like eighteen to twenty one feet. Wow. So a minivan and a half, maybe maybe right. maybe two at the most. Yep. For five people and a dog. Right. And so now right. so let's say it's two minivans, just for the sake of argument. Now cut triangles in the front and the back of those minivans because a boat has a boat, you know, right, has right. the bow and the stern. Yeah, yeah. So like at its widest point the boat was eleven feet wide. And of course the narrowest okay. point is a couple inches. Yeah, yeah. Um okay. but yeah. The only the only time to wow. get away, like you could you could get an argument and you had to figure it out. Yeah. Right. On the other side, if you got punished, you usually went overboard. <laughs> right. And Walk so, the plank. <laughs> yeah. No. Legit. Like it, it was. It usually had an oar behind it. Um. And I love mm. my dad. He only had to do that a couple times. But um. <laughs> but you know, like, but things are serious on a boat. Like, yeah. like if you don't listen when s- someone says something, like I'll be walking through in hell with my own son. Like I'll be walking through and someone will like I'll tell Carter to stop. And like most people will say like. They see their kids walking towards the road, like it gets dangerous, right? Well, that's like all the time on a boat. Sure, yeah. Right? You could drown. Imagine like having kids around a pool. Right. 100% of the time that yeah. you can't get away from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being on a float in the pool. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? And so so there's a lot at stake, and God bless my parents for being able to like handle that. But at the same time, there were, there are just things that we had to do, and like listening was absolutely one of them. Um, and so, you know, that, that was a big thing, but there was also like a lot of trust, you know, like, hell, you can't, most communities, you can't go outside and just let your kids roam around. Like my dad let me go to the, go to land and hang out like where all the dinghies were when people were going ashore. Um, because that's <laughs> just like how it was, yeah. you know, I have to check in and all that, but, sure, yeah. um, but entrepreneurship to actually bring it back. Yeah. Um, so we only had a certain amount of money. Um, that, you know, that he'd give us to do stuff with. And we had very limited time where we could use that money to do anything. And I learned a lot about, like, currency. So, like, EC money was the money at the time. Um, they use euros quite a bit now. But, like, EC was $2.65 for every one U.S. dollar. And when we were in Trinidad, it was $9 um, for every one U.S. dollar. Wow. So you think, like, a 12-year-old going to get a bag of Cheetos, which we loved Cheetos. <laughs> it wasn't a normal thing, right? But, like... Um, go get Cheetos in Trinidad, and I remember 
learning firsthand about currency exchange because I handed a dollar to the teller or the the person at the counter, got my Cheetos and got back eight dollars eight dollars and fifty cents. Wow. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> right? Um, now, it was still worth a dollar, and my dad explained that. But, like, all of the life experiences that we had really started to teach me about that. So then we get to some of those islands where EC was more valuable than, you know, than other stuff. I saw where, you know, the people on the boats typically had U.S. dollars because it, it was a more even valuation. And so um, there's a there's a lot of times where, those dinghies would be stolen because they bring the boat up, they go get groceries and they leave the boat there and mm-hmm. it's just tied off. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, I, I would just hang out at the dock and then I'd be like, I'll watch your boat for you. And people would pay me. And mm-hmm. like, I got paid. I did it just because like I cared about other people's boats and I cared about our boat. That was actually the starting reason. Like I was like, I'm going to stay with the boat. So no one takes it. Mm-hmm at like 12 and um and then someone's like i was like oh, i can watch your boat for you and he like threw me three bucks i'm like oh that's a lot of cheetos that's a lot of cheetos <laughs> right but that's what a 12 year old so, cares about yeah. yeah so i started doing that um so I, every island we go to like i just hang out in the dock let my parents go do stuff and like i'd help them sometimes but like i started like i remember my dad was like yeah you could do that and then i came back and um he came back and he's like did you have fun? I was like, yeah. And I like showed him all the money. And it was like, at that point it was like 26 bucks or something. But like, that's more than I got an allowance in like two years. Right. 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 And he's like, no, you didn't. And then, so from there, um, I remember in St. Martin, they have like craft shows and stuff where the Islanders will, um, like sell to the tourists. Yeah. Like all you need is a bucket and a table. And so, um, we came, you know, when we do the, the route on the in the Caribbean, like you go from St. Martin down to Venezuela and you come back like six or eight months later. So I knew that I was like, that guy's made a lot of money with leather products. And so I learned how, like while we're sitting on the boat doing nothing, to do leather. Like I made lighter holders and like <laughs> like cigarette holders yeah. and knife pouches and stuff and belts. And uh, I went back and I remember selling like I sold out in like an hour and a half. And it's again right next to the dock, but yeah. like but doing that kind of stuff. So that was like twelve and thirteen, and then um, as we started, you know, moving around, then my brother started helping. So it was like he officially was probably my first employee. But, nice. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's just one of those things where that was just kind of ingrained, and that's just what it was. My dad was an entrepreneur before, so he was very open and free to let us do that. Mm-hmm. My mom's very artistic, so so yeah, it's. Uh, that was that was when I was twelve, and now you know when we think about business, unique perspectives, um, you know, trying stuff out, not being afraid, mm-hmm. and um, just looking for opportunity. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and it, and it's interesting to me too that, you know, I think about okay, if I wanted to go do that right now, uh-huh. I would sit down for a, a few years and try to make money ahead of time, sure. have all the stuff, have a savings, blah blah blah, and and it sounds like you just lived. You yeah. just lived life. That's what you did. Right. Made I, some money when you needed yeah. it. I took that 26 bucks. I took that 26 <clears throat> bucks that I made at the dock and I spent it on leather. Yep. And then I had leather for a, for a couple months. And then when I came back, there were pieces of things mm-hmm. and I sold them. And, um, you know, and we just kind of went from there. But, you know, never borrowed any money mm-hmm. or anything, even that young. Right. It was just like, oh, like I'll go help someone do something. So everything's been rooted in work. Yeah. Um, which is not something that's very typical around here. No, um, not at all. I say around here in the U.S. Not to mean any offense to anybody. 
Yeah. I'm American too. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> so so what is it? Gosh, I mean, how did your parents even get to that point? That's what they wanted to do. You said you grew up in Bermuda. Bermuda. You said? Yeah. So my grandmother um, was a Ziegfeld Follies girl. My grandfather on my dad's side was a stuntman in California. Okay. So they retired in Bermuda. And so when my grandmother started getting uh, older, my dad moved the family from Florida. And I was at the age of four um, out to Bermuda. So mm-hmm. we were out in Bermuda. And then um, after that, we, um, you know, he had this dream. He had the boat for years. I think he, he got, my dad got uh, Brittany, which is the name of the boat. Same year my brother was born, and he's three years behind me. And so then when we moved, um, so we've had the boat probably seven years, he was like, you know what? I want to travel the world. And he goes, we'll start with the Caribbean. Um, And uh, my mom said yes, I guess. I'm not really sure (laughs) about the coercion back then, but but she, you know, she jumped in, and we loaded up the boat, and there was, like, a lot more prep than normal. And... um, and my dad told us that, like, he's like, pack a bag. Like, our um, our closet, if you will, uh, was a pillowcase. And you put all your clothes in your pillowcase. That was also your pillow. Mm. And um, and we left. And so it was like, yeah, we're going to go to the beach. He wasn't wrong. Um, <laughs> but it was it was not the normal route. Yeah. And uh, that, first, that first trip from Bermuda to St. Martin was 11 and a half days to sea. Wow. Man, I, I man. I love water. Like I just, I just want to go. Yeah, yeah. And there was a uh, thirty foot, thirty foot seas. So the boat's thirty feet, thirty foot seas. Um, and I remember we've got a photo. I'll have to try and find it. I'll ask my mom about it. But there's a picture of my mom at the helm, and something's uneasy about the photo, and you don't realize what it is, and it's because the horizon line of where the water is is above you in all directions oh right like down inside of a we're inside the wave and so the water's really high um and uh that was the roughest trip that that we had and i remember my dad jokes about this all the time so he'll be proud i'm bringing it up is uh we tried um the single sideband radios like where all the boats communicate and talk about weather patterns before they had like satellite radios and stuff and um and on the single sideband radio my dad would talk to his name was Herb, and he was a guy that like looked at weather patterns and relayed the information. And there's this huge storm that was um, essentially behind us the whole time. And uh, he's like, "Can I, can we do anything for you guys on Brittany?" And like I remember yelling, "Like uh, pizza would be great, <laughs> right? Eleven days at sea." Yeah. So um, imagine like not leaving your house for eleven days with your kids. Like, like stuff goes sideways, maybe. But my parents, my parents handled it, and like we didn't die. Yeah. Um, but there was, you know, a lot of lessons in that first eleven days, and then the rest of it was piece of cake. Oh yeah, get get it over get it over early on. The yeah. next seven years, like that was no big deal. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? The, what do you think the biggest lesson in business that you've taken from that, and that you continue to use today? So um, it was learning. So my parents, um, my parents. Very much were because we were homeschooled or I joke boat schooled. Right? Yeah, right. Um, my parents very much um, were helping my brother and sister learn, mm-hmm. and like at that point, I was towards the end. I was dealing with like algebra and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and you know my parents didn't know too much about algebra because um, that wasn't really something that they needed to do in school. And um, my dad gave me the answer book, and he's like, figure it out. And so 
that made me solve problems backwards. Yeah. When I got to the U.S. and I started in eighth grade, I actually failed my first two math classes because they, they wanted me to show my work the mm. way that they say come up with the answer, right? And I just figured it out by knowing the answer. Yeah. So, so like I always did a lot of stuff in my head. I have a photographic memory. I'm blessed with that. So like I can, I can illustrate and imagine a lot of those things, but I had to figure everything out backwards. So mm. when you were talking about earlier, like, Oh, like Remington will talk about a problem. Then suddenly he, yeah, he has an answer. He drops yeah. something like that's really where that comes from. So I've always just looked at things backwards and tried to backward analyze them. All right. Very cool, man. There's that. Was, yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine being out in the middle of the ocean, no lights around. Right. Just, yeah. And yeah, then, it's actually really nice until you hear like a rumble of an engine and you don't see anything. And then that, that means that there's a ship really close. Yeah. So there's a couple Ooh, of those calls. Like yeah. That, but, yeah. Man, what a, what a cool perspective. What a great way to end the season. Um, any last advice for anybody that needs to think differently in business? Yeah, just flip your expectations upside down. Like if you're trying to solve a problem, like what is the problem? Like, how did the problem, you know, just look at it backwards. Um, you know, I think a lot of time, like, we don't invert things the way. We look at the problem, but we don't look at, like, what the outcome of the problem was or, like, how it got there. So, like, inverting is usually um, – David Cancel even talks about that, mm-hmm. uh, power of inversion. But, yeah, invert the problems and understand perspectives. Like, we talk about all the time, like, the story I'm telling myself or, like, what's the real story? Like, yeah. is it mine or is it theirs? Like – Yep. There's there's so much, so many different perspectives out there that you've really got to understand them if you're going to communicate effectively. And and then sometimes you just got to do the work. Yeah, do the work. I like that. Awesome, man. This has been a, a yeah. great season. I appreciate you opening up the, yeah. the Impulse book. It's been great, man. It's great therapy, too. <laughs> and it's been fun this week being yeah. in-house. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that was good. Um, Yeah, next season we're talking about experience, kind mm-hmm. of in a general term, nothing specific, just experience. We've got uh, David Meerman Scott has joined us. Uh, so much fun. Yeah, he was awesome. And then we've got some other ones coming up. Uh uh, Michael Stelzner was on that we re- that we recorded, and so yeah, it's a good season coming up. I uh, hope you enjoyed this season. Send us an email what you what you love or don't love about it. Be sure to subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, and share it. Share the hell out of it. Uh, there you go. Season two, wayfinding growth is done. Cheers. Toodles. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend, give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always, go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.